Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to the Believe in Giants podcast with Giants legend Carl Banks and broadcaster Bob Papa. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants. Bob Papa with two-time Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Carl, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Well, bro. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Giants, they ate on Sunday. Death taxes and the Giants beating the Commanders. Yeah, that was <laughs> a uh, much-needed win. I know um, there are mixed emotions around the fan base as to um, – what's good for the organization. Um, you know, many people have written off the season and just said, look, get as high as you can in the draft. But um, it doesn't work that way when people have families to feed. Um, they got jobs, right? You lose jobs when you lose games. And, um, you know, coaches uh, don't want to deal with that. You have ownership that will never, ever, compromise that if they can win one game they want to win that one game so um you know fans moved forward to the draft and then there's you know kind of um pro- prospecting i guess who the giants should take and those things take care of themselves um you know people you know i've, I've driven by a few of the spaces on x and just people are just screaming, man, like, I'm done. I'm done, this team. But they, you want winning. You want winning. Winning does change culture. Yes. Talent is the most part, important part of winning. Talent will be available um, however this season turns out. And if there's a player uh, that the Giants covet, you know, there's always a way to move up to get said player. If, if you know, whatever that player is, whatever um, draft slot. That's why, you know, Joe Shane has put the team in position with some of the, the trades he's made. He's got some, some extra draft picks uh, to build the talent on this team. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to explain to people. And I think part of it is also, um, you know, people people feel like they can run the organization or run a football team. And it just, you know, there's a human element to it outside of your feelings that um, people come to work every day. People have jobs, meaning these football players. And they, they are not walking out there to lay down um, just so that, you know, people can feel good or that the team can draft their replacement. I got a message for our fans out there. Football's back. Bet online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on stats, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoffs and Super Bowl, Bet Online is going to give you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online so head to the website today or use your mobile device get in yeah i'm gonna give, I'm gonna give you a, i'll give you two names and it, it's not really specific to them the circumstances are different but it's why in the nfl 
with a 53 man active roster and then your practice squad. It's just, it ain't happening. Um, because here, uh, uh, Xavier McKinney was drafted by the giants in the second round mm -hmm. and, uh, <clears throat> you know, they didn't extend his contract. They haven't really negotiated with him and who knows what their plans are. Who knows what they're thinking about him, what the future holds, but what Xavier Xavier McKinney has to do is he has to put on tape mm -hmm. the best version of Xavier McKinney, whether it's to sway opinion within the building as to whether he should be a part of their long-term solution, or it is to show the 31 other teams out there that could be potential bidders. Here's the kind of player that you're getting. Tyree Phillips. He's bounced around the league for a while. He's been on practice squads uh, with Evan Neal's injury. He has an op been having an opportunity to start. He's done very nicely since coming back to the Giants. Okay, he is trying to prove to the Giants and to 31 other teams around the NFL that what you see on tape, I'm worth having on your team. Yeah, and there's a myriad of players out there, including Saquon Barkley, for that matter. Yep, there's only a handful of guys that you know got lock up, screw you, money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the rest of them are literally yeah. fighting. Yeah. So there's no such, you can't tank because you don't have the, the majority of your players are in a non-tank thoughts process. Right. The sport is too violent and dangerous. If you try to play soft, you know, this better than anybody, mm -hmm. you know, this better than anybody having played in the league. What do they always say? When guys, the guys that are most likely to get hurt, are a lot of times the guys that are not going full speed. Yeah, and um, it's not the NBA. Um, I don't know James Harden, um, but he, you know, he finds a way to go in um, to whatever team he wants. He has a skill set that people know he has, and you know, people continue to pay him money. This ain't the NBA. This is a violent sport. Like if you could shoot jump shots and dribble um, and put that on tape, and then miss half the season, come back and get another contract somewhere. Good luck to you, but not in the, not in the, um, the NFL. It just doesn't work that way. You know, yeah, you're, yeah. you're as good as the, the, the 16 games you play. Those guys play what? 80 something games, 82 games or something like that. Yeah, I mean, just think about it. Average NFL Sunday. How many times does a car come out on the field? Yeah. And take players off. And maybe it's the last snap they've Could ever the played. Last the snap. Yeah. Um, ambulances i mean you know it's just you know you saw what happened uh, uh the player on buffalo the other night the violent collision it's just different and I'm, I'm i'm happy with the way they played the other thing is last year was a great year for brian dable and his entire staff and everything kind of worked out well and they made it to the playoffs and they won a road playoff game i mean i think as a giants fan <clears throat> You want to see them try to win as many games as they can to show that you got a coach that through right. the toughest of times is trying to be resourceful enough to find a way to win. Just like what they're doing with Tommy DeVito. Let's yeah. talk about Tommy. I mean, yeah. here's a dude that you and I would be on the sidelines during training camp. And there were people that were watching him like, oh, my God, this guy's the worst ever. He's this, he's that. And mm -hmm. I'm like, wait a second. I'm watching him make some throws here in practice. Yeah. Now, look, I first started when Phil Simms was the quarterback of the team. 
So I've seen some guys with some big arms, and I've seen guys that can throw it. And I've certainly seen many a character that's come through the Giants as a potential backup quarterback, let alone a third-string quarterback, that were throwing wet noodles, had wet noodles. And I'm like, hey, let's just see what this guy's got. And he had the time of his life out there. Hold it. Listen. Listen, Ah. um, I credit this young man. Um, This was a big game for him. You know, his first full start, um, first full week of, of complete control of the offense in practice. He came out. The moment wasn't too big. He made great decisions for, with the football. And I think the number one decision he made is not turning it over. And um, when we spoke with uh, Dave's on Monday, he said on the sideline, on one play, he asked him um, what happened. You know, he took a sack and he told Dave's and Dave said, listen, if that's the end result and we still got the football we'll be okay. You can make that, you know, you cannot make a certain play. Now, I mean, there was some, there was a few things where I know in Washington, they had Saquon Barkley out of the backfield and he called a running play and everybody ran and there was nobody <laughs> to hand the ball to. Um, that one was a little comical, but also Bob, let me just say this. And I, I still stay uh, stick by what I said about the offensive line, but I give credit where it's due, they played well. They gave up nine sacks, okay? Well, they didn't give up nine sacks. There were nine sacks in the game. Yeah, there were nine sacks in the game. And this offensive line battled their ass off for this kid. And I give them a lot of credit. Um, Again, these these linemen, it's a week-to-week process. So they can be bad three weeks ago and get better and better and better. Um. Last week against Washington, they battled. Um, They drew a blank in the first half in terms of the running game. Came back in the second half. Saquon Barkley had some big momentum um, changing runs, and they look good. So, yeah, they still have to get better, and you also have to get better, you know, better talent. And if that talent is on the roster and they get better, good for them. But I noticed also this. I'm not the only one in a a sports fan base, a football fan base, that's screaming about offensive lines. You know, um, Washington's is worse. Washington's bad. um, And I'm not, you know, obviously not picking on anybody, but uh, the other team here in New York, they got issues with their offensive line. It's all over the league. And. Uh, that's why I said it's the most premium position outside of quarterback because um, in talking with a few fo- football folks and then I got a chance oh, oh, shout out to Jonathan Vilma too I got a chance I've been a fan of his forever and we finally actually met um, him and uh, Kenny Albert did the game and so we were just talking and uh Vilma and I were just talking about, you know, just how bad offensive lines are. He says, listen, he's talked to many coaches and he said it starts at college because they do not. That's why it's so and it, it's mind boggling to me that the, the oldest stunt in football, defensive football, is the end tackle twist. It's been on it's been on the books for at least 30, 40 years now. 
this might be the first generation of offensive linemen that act like they've never seen it <laughs> after seeing it for 20 freaking times. And he said that they they have not taught kids coming out of college. He says he's talked to a lot of offensive um, coaches around the league. I have. I just started doing that, too. And he said they don't teach it. They just kind of zone it off. And, and because colleges don't run stunts, this is what you get. And, you know, trying to teach it, I guess, not having the time is the biggest problem. That's why when when you see the development of Andrew Thomas, it took two and a half seasons, right? That's why I say you don't give up on Evan Neal because what these teams are doing, they're looking at the physicality and they're looking at the um, athleticism and saying, okay, he'll get there. He just has to see it enough times and we just got to keep coaching it. But, man, it is – it's the, the the easiest stunt now. Some teams are putting three people in a twist, and that's a whole nother thing. But the end tackle twist is looks like it's it's a foreign language to a lot of these linemen around the league. Well, first in context of the Vilma story. So Kenny out, I'm on the Giants sideline an hour before the game or whatever. Kenny comes walking over and he's like, Is Carl here? And I'm like, yeah, he's going to be down soon. We have to do a hit on the field. Maybe this was 90 minutes before the game. I'm like, why? He goes, Jonathan Vilma. Carl Banks was one of Jonathan Vilma's favorite players. And he's dying to meet Carl. So Jonathan was there with his mom. And Kenny walked over to the commander's sideline. And Vilma's there. And you had just come down. Right. I'm standing there next to John Mara and some other people. And I'm like waving my arms at Kenny Albert. And people look at me like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, long story. But they then they finally right. saw that you were there. He was very excited to meet you. You know, it, it reminds I, me. I was with him. He was a heck of a player. Man. He was a really good player. Yeah. Now, I did a study for my Sirius XM NFL radio show a couple of years ago. And we wound up having Nick Saban on as a guest. And this became a topic of conversation because – you know, for the longest time, if you go back in the 80s and into the 90s, I know there was the Tony Mandrich failure, mm -hmm. but if you go back and you look at it, high pick offensive linemen had the best batting average of anybody. Like, if you took a stud offensive lineman in, early in the draft, in the top five, the top 10, the top 12, the batting average was tremendous as to how good those players would be. The batting average for that position has dropped drastically. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to Coach Saban on my serious show, and he said, yeah, he goes, that's one of the hardest positions now to project because from high school, from flag football and youth football to high school, a lot of these kids don't put their hand in the dirt ever, and they're running these – uh <clears throat> passing attacks, these air raid attacks and everything else. And it's hard for them. They've never really had their hand in the dirt. And mm -hmm. when you come to the NFL, there's a lot of hand in the dirt. Yeah. So it you're a hundred percent right. It takes quite a while for these guys to develop when they used to be step in and they could be studs like right out of the gate. Yeah. yeah. The tough I, position. It is a tough. I mean, it is the most premium position outside of quarterback and folks, you know, I, I, 
obviously I'm telling you that the Giants need to upgrade. Um, and that could be on the roster. It could be outside, but they've got to figure it out. Um, there are some coach Vilma was telling me that some coaches, one, one particular coach said he's keeping veterans around because the, the, um, the young guys just can't pick it up yet. So, you know, look around the league, but I'm happy for this offensive line. They battled, um, and they were able to get the job done. I mean, Dan, uh, Danny, I'm, I'm sorry, like you, uh, Tommy DeVito uh, stood in the pocket, made some really good throws. I think uh, Mike Kafka and uh, his offensive staff put together a really good game plan for him uh, with a lot of different, um, a lot of different plays outside the numbers, but multi levels. Um, so they did, they did a really good job with him. Yeah, I mean that the the throw to Barkley in the end zone was phenomenal, and yeah. even even the even the five the third and goal at the five, like yeah. if he does not deliver that ball perfectly to Saquon Barkley, Barkley gets tackled short of the goal line. Yeah, and it was it was it was it was cool to watch. I want to go to the other side of the ball because you know Washington had averaged three hundred and forty nine yards a game of offense mm -hmm. against. Uh, Philadelphia, Seattle, uh, what was the three-game stretch there? Uh, the, the three games that they had played between the two Giants games. Mm -hmm. uh, and Howell had thrown for over 300 yards over that stretch. They, they were putting up ridiculous offensive numbers. Yet in the two games against the Giants, sandwiched around that three-game streak, I mean, Wink's defense against Biennemi's offense and that quarterback you know, that's a that's a that's a fight stoppage. Those are two yeah. knockouts in those yeah. two games. Yeah. And, you know, credit to Wink, Martindale, um, the wizard, as I call him. He came up with a great game plan. Um, now they had I think they all felt a little. Embarrassed by what happened in Dallas. I mean, they gave up 600 plus yards. And listen, you can say, well, Dallas and Washington are two different teams. They are, but it's copycat league. You get, you start, you know, giving up points, then everybody think they can get them. And that's, you know, what I was talking about with the offensive line, starting from the first game, everybody thought they could get to a quarterback, and they did. But he did a great job. Um, McLeod, man, is he – he was – this was his coming out party. You know, big interception, uh, forced fumble. Uh, Xavier McKinney had his best – uh, game as a giant. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau, first double digit um, player in a Wink Martindale defense. And Wink's had some really good defenses and, some, and coached some really good players. Um, Dexter Lawrence just continues to put people in his laboratory and just. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Just, you know, dissect them like they're little frogs. You know, he's, he's just incredible. Um, I just thought the entire group played really well 
Yeah, you know, Karakay was great, McFadden. Um, one of the one of the things that was awesome about it was just the hats to the ball. You know, people said, well, you know, Washington turned it over six times. But there's a reason. Yeah, it, it, listen, it was all aggression to the ball that forced the fumbles. It's not like the quarterback took the snap from center as he was dropping back to pass, he fumbled the football. I mean, the Cordell flot hit to force one of those fumbles. That's as good as you get. Okereke ripping at the ball as the guy's getting tackled. Those are, those are, they're caused by the defense. And that means you got a lot of people to the football. You got uh, a player who can come in and rip a ball out because you don't do that one on one, you know? So that's, that's just good effort. Um, Special teams created a turnover. And then they're a net negative because once again, they had nine players on the field on a particular play. And I think there was a punt that was partially blocked. Yeah. But they, you know, they contributed by getting a turnover, which is complimentary. Um, They did not um, create um, a liability per se but just the mistakes that just keep showing up. So it was, you know, they were a net net, I guess you can say. If they started the game a negative, they're still a net negative. Uh, but they're climbing out because they were able to create a turnover and their coverage teams were really good. Um, there's another thing I wanted to address in, in Deontay Banks. He went live stream from the locker room. Um I have no problem with this kid's swagger and his confidence. The issue I have, and I have, is certain things are not for the internet. Um, You can talk your crap either on the field. I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm suggesting talk your crap on the field to the guy you're talking about or in your locker room with your people or with your family. But when you start to live stream this stuff, it's not for everybody. And at the end of the day, you're one player. And if they need to come after you, don't say bring it on because they, you know, this league will be able to do some things to come at you. And, you know, I know you're up for the task and I think you're a hell of a player, but just a little discretion because oh, here's the other thing too. The ambient noise in the background, you're talking your thing and there's a lot of other conversations going on in the background that folks don't need to hear either. Right. So have some discretion. Be who you are, right? If that if the confidence you have, I love it, right? I'm glad you're pissed at Washington. Um, I wouldn't hold it against them that they didn't pay, didn't take you. You should be thanking them. But just understand there's a place for that type of um vent and that's in your team meetings your locker room or on the field once you get it into the public um the 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 social medias it's you know there's a lot going on behind you and you're saying some things so just just understand that like i have a problem you want to call out terry mcgurlin call him out but do it on the field too not in that that media space or, or or do it when you get home if you want to start a live stream on your phone or whatever. Um, but you can't do it live in the locker room. There's a lot going on back there, and you can hear some things 
being said, and you know, that's exposing your your team, your locker room. That's your sacred space. Yeah, and and you know, what, if guys are having private conversations, is they're getting dressed or getting ready to go in the shower. Obviously, there was no water there, but um, you know, you've got to be able protect your teammates because they might be talking and your streams picking that up in the locker room. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be inappropriate. Um, one other thing, I, I can't believe they didn't call any holds for either team, yeah, but so there were some fans that got upset at me that were listening to the radio broadcast that said I was too difficult on one of the officials uh, <laughs> on a play in which uh, Curtis Samuel and Cordell Flott were ejected. Mm -hmm. And here's what I'll say to that. The reason why I was outspoken about that was because the mechanics of the play were just horribly executed by the official mm -hmm. signaling touchdown, blowing the whistle, not blowing the whistle, signaling the touchdown and storming in from the sideline like they do to blow action dead. It's a touchdown. I got touchdown, broke the plane. Mm -hmm. Instead, the arms go up touchdown. And then retreats, which then creates this whole thing. Now, I'm not condoning fighting or anything like that. Um, but here's what you got to understand. Those players are going to get heavily fined for being ejected in the game. Mm -hmm. And we also see that players get fined for things that are not called on the field. Yeah. Now, when those fines come out on Friday or Saturday, there are massive fines being levied against players uh, and, and you hear it all the time a flag wasn't even thrown on this play but right. he's been fined thirteen thousand dollars so because of poor mechanics i'm not i i would not be shocked if xavier mckinney for slamming down howell might get fined too well here's the thing about that on a play that was over and she point, ruled it over started the whole thing but how is still running as if he didn't know he made it across the plane Xavier played through. There was no whistle. He didn't hit the kid out of bounds. But then as a result of how getting banged to the ground, the melee starts. And then Flott and Samuel throw blows. They get ejected. And all the official had to do, which is what they normally do, touchdown, blow the whistle, plays over. Simple as that. Um, but she let them play through. Um and this is how it's the cause and effect of all of this. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, if Xavier McKinney gets fined, the two players are obviously going to get fined. They have to get, you know, they will, they'll have the video. Mm -hmm. They have to appeal it because yeah. it, none of this would have happened if the play would have been executed correctly from a mechanic standpoint. Yeah. Plain and simple. And it's a lot of money, man. I mean, you know, Cordell Flott's a, a lot of money, man. Yeah, Cordell Flott's on a rookie deal. I, you know, he was a, you know, yeah, a, he gets ejected from a game. That's a, yeah, I don't know, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars fine. Yeah, it's a lot of money. So I hope that, you know, they're going to be able to appeal their fines. Can I? Can I bring up one more thing? Sure. And you know, you and I get ripped by a lot of fans as being mouthpieces of the organization. Now, I'm going to say this in full confidence. I understand why Giants fans are pissed. Mm -hmm. The last 11 years or so, 
have not been good by any stretch of the imagination. There's no defending um, mistakes with the offensive line with, I mean, going all the way back to Eric Flowers, and you can go on and on and on. And Giants fans want uh, a level of consistency and good teams. Sure. Like, and they deserve the that. They right. deserve they, that. They want that 04 to 2012 New York Giants back. They want the 84 to 90 Giants back. Um, you know, they want a team that they feel every year is going to be really competitive, good, mm-hmm. and all that other stuff. So I I understand it. I mean, we have gone through some unbelievable seasons, and yeah. I mean in a negative way, of just watching things, and you sit there and you say, what? But remember something. In that stretch, whether you want to say by hook or by crook, they've been in the playoffs two times. And again, I'm empathizing with the fans, but I want to just put some reality to the situation. So I went back to 1998. Here's the sheet of paper. Went back to 1998. So 20 teams have have made it to at least one Super Bowl in that stretch. That means that there's 12 organizations since 1998, that have not been to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Okay, the Giants have been to three in that stretch. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Patriots have been to nine. The Rams organization via St. Louis or Los Angeles has been to four of them. And then the Giants, the Eagles, the Steelers, the Seahawks, and the Chiefs in that span have all gone to three. Um, and then you have Tennessee, Indianapolis, Carolina, and Baltimore and Atlanta have been to two. And then you throw in, you know, Tennessee, Oakland, Chicago, Arizona, New Orleans, Green Bay have been to one. Those are the 20 organizations. Mm-hmm. So as bad as it's been, and I know it's bad, they're not the worst by any stretch. Three trips to a Super Bowl in the last 25 years disqualifies them from being the worst organization. Now, again, I know what the record is over the last 10 years. I know what the record is since 2017. They and the Jets have been battling one-on-one for the fewest amount of wins. I get it. But I'm just trying to put some historical perspective to it over the last quarter of a century. It's not as bad as everybody thinks. The last five years... The last 10 years, yes, but even sprinkled in the middle of this, one of the worst stretches in Giants history, 70s-ish at times. They went to the playoffs twice, and they even won a road playoff game in that stretch. I grew up watching this team, dying with this team as a kid in the 1970s. I was six years old when my love affair began, and the 70s were my should have been my wheelhouse as a kid. They never got to the playoffs, ever. So I just want to put it in perspective a little bit. But again, I empathize with the pain of the, since, not, yeah. since 17 and the last 11. And and so this, you know, there's always a new generation of players. So when the last Super Bowl occurred, there were kids not even old enough to appreciate it. Now they're here and this is their moment as fans. And all they've seen is losing one playoff, um, the one playoff appearance, and all they've seen is losing and ineptitude at 
you know, the offensive line position, right? At the linebacker position, at the rec- well, the receiver position has been inconsistent. Um, inconsistency at quarterback. So that's all they've seen. And then they've seen a ton of coaches come and go. So, you know, from Michael Strahan's last Super Bowl to where we are today, that block of fans, if you were, if you were five or 10 when Strahan won a Super Bowl and now you're 21, 22 years old, you're like, or 30 years old now. Yeah, or just go to the Eli, it just go to 11. I mean, yeah. um, Strahan's was set 07, but yeah, if you, even if in that time frame, yeah, you, yeah, if you were 13 or 14, when they won an 11, you're in your mid twenties now and you're like, what the heck? Yeah. You're like, dude, so I get it. Um, and I, I, I really do, um, understand where a group of fans don't give a shit about your tradition. All they know is coaching changes and um, player transition and ineptitude, and they want to see something, right? So let that start with last year's playoff appearance. See if they can continue to build and win. That's what you want. Um, They got a few things right that they haven't had right in a long time. They got linebacker right. They got wide receiver right. Um, those are some things. And I think I'm pretty comfortable saying the both of these tackles, we know what Andrew Thomas is, and I'm comfortable in saying that you'll see the progression of Evan Neal. Again, like I said, I, and I, I didn't preface it, but it's, an, it's just a known fact that these guys are developing at a slower pace across the league because they have not, it's the most basic stuff where you used to take for granted that, well, you know, we got to get more creative on our, our pass rush games because they pick up the twist so easy. It's the easiest thing to get a sack on now. All right. And it's across the league. So, but they got to get the interior fixed. They got to get better at the interior, whether whether it's with the talent here that gets better every day or it's going to have to be an upgrade in talent. Um, because like I said, the level they're playing, it's just, it's not good. And, and it, so go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Finish. And so this block of fans, yes, you cling to your tradition, but you should have expectation, but you can't burn it down every every year. You got to say, if we got some things in place, let's build on that. Right. And I since the, go ahead. No, no, no. I'll finish your thought. I, I don't go into the whole draft aspect of it or who or where they're going to be drafting. It'll take care of itself. So I'm not going to advocate for or against. I tell you players I like, the team moves on from those. I'm good if they're good. Yeah. And since the Tish family uh, became partners with the Mara family, co-owners which was in may of 91 or whatever uh when tim mara sold his half of the team they've been to three super bowls in the 30-year span mm-hmm. okay they've been to, actually they've been to three super bowls under this ownership structure since 1998 when i went back 25 years so they do have a clue and it hasn't worked out again i'm not trying to you know I, i'm sure some people are going to just take this in there here go the mouthpieces of the organization but think about it 
12 teams have not made it to one Super Bowl in this stretch. That's more than a third of the league. If you go 32 divided by three and you come up with a third of the league, 12 is greater than the third. Yeah. So there's 33% of the league, 36% of the league has not been to one Super Bowl. And you think about teams that go a decade without going to the playoffs, without even being in the playoffs in this time, even during the Giants low period here, they actually won a playoff game and have at least been to the playoffs two times. Now, I'm not saying that's what fans should aspire to, and that's good enough. I'm with you. I want to go back to 04 to 2012, where every year you felt like you were in. You got a chance, got a chance, got a chance, got a chance. But I I just wanted to get that off my chest because I spent a lot of time researching this thing. Yeah, and I get it. I get fans. But, folks, here's the other thing. Don't kill your coach in a season like this for wanting to win football games because if you want him to tank, the number one thing you're going to do if he's going through tough times, oh, remember he only won two games in in, in 23 and, and, you know, he could have won some games at the end of the year, so his record is what it is. These coaches, again, they get paid a lot of money to do a job, to try to win games. They don't tank. And these guys from Dable across the board, you talk to any of them, they got jobs, right? Their jobs are on the line. They are not trying to lose games. They will not put a guy out there. And you can call me whatever you want for saying this piece right here. This ownership ain't going for that. You can say what you want. You don't maybe don't like the owners or you think they're too involved. This is the one area. They don't, they want winners. They do not want a a coach to go out there. You cannot convince an owner, these two owners, that, hey, you know, I think we should just mail it in the rest of the season. Let's phone it in and let's try to get a good draft. Because they've been around this game long enough to know you can get the best, you can get your dream pick and it'll get hurt on the fourth play of the season. And then you're back at zero. You can get your green pick, your your dream pick, and something catastrophic happens. Or you can get your dream pick, and he's not as good as you thought he'd be. Now your ass is fired. The coach is still on the team, but you're fired because hey, you convinced your owner that you were going to tank, and this is a surefire no miss situation. When you got so many other players, you got to develop as you pick your dream pick. So they're not going to tank, folks. They won't, and there are too many good players that care. And if you think the way Saquon Barkley plays every fucking down, that he's going to settle for a teammate not giving their all, you're you're losing it. Like, if you want to know the mentality of this team, whether they got their whether they're good enough or not, watch Saquon Barkley. Watch Saquon. Even in the Dallas game, they're getting blown out, and he's running his ass off. Right. Absolutely. This is your leadership. This is the mentality of this team. So um, if there are any players that are on this roster that think they're going to tank, they probably won't be active because you're not walking in that locker room with the likes of Saquon, with the likes of Sterling Shepard and saying, man, they said this season ain't even worth it because to them guys, every single play is worth it.
Right, and he's got his contract is up. He's on a franchise tag. He's got yeah. to put good product out there. But he was going to do that anyway because he cares about the game too much. Because he's a winner. Yeah. Exactly. He's a winner. Uh, my final thought here, too, like, right? I mean, I'm all in on Joe Shane. Mm-hmm. Um, this is his second year on the job. He inherited a, a, a very flawed roster. And, folks, you got to just give it, in my opinion, you got to give it time and yeah. you got to let him do what he's got to do. He came in with a plan, which he presented to ownership as to how they're going to redo this roster. And it's, yeah. there was no ever, it never was, it never was verbalized as going to be a quick fix last yeah. year, just accelerated expectation level, but now just, you got to trust that wherever they pick, they're going to pick a really good player, and then they've got a head coach and a staff that will develop that player to be everything you dreamed and hoped that player would be. Yeah. You know what I would love to do? And he would never do it. But I'd love to host a Twitter spaces with Joe Shane. <laughs> only intelligent, intelligent questions only. But for people to have some insight in how the process works. Like what they do on a weekly basis, a daily basis, and the work that goes into what they do and their approach. Either him, I would love to have either him or Brandon Bean on because when I don't know an answer to something, I'll go to Joe or I'll go to Brandon. And dude, the 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 answer is not a quick, oh yeah, this, this, this. They give you a whole process. Oh. I mean, these guys are like, they're not the know-it-alls. These are the guys that want you to, when, well, in terms of when I ask a question, they want me to be fully briefed on how the process works, right? And Correct. how they look at something or, you know, Brennan, why why is it so hard to pick off? They, man, they will go through this thing. I would love for that, for fans to have that opportunity to ask a few questions to, of Joe Shane or Brandon and just hear how this process works and, you know, how they approach things. Yeah, there's no short answers when you ask a question. They do not give you short answers. Yeah, because I love picking, I love asking Joe things that uh, just to educate me. I, I, yeah. I want to know, like, I, I want to, what is it? Because, you know, there's all these, you, you have these perceptions. You've been around the game for a long time. You've played in the game. You've worked mm -hmm. in a front office. You've done everything in the game. But still, there's things you can learn. Yeah, and 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 it's it's pretty fascinating to talk with how uh, the how vetted and how thorough the processes go with these decisions. And the thing about that is, my questions to Joe or Brandon, ninety five percent of them have nothing to do with the Giants roster. Just. What's trending? How's it trending? Why is, you know, certain positions here? Why are certain things valued in the league and not um, like they used to? All of these types of things, right? Or what's what's the what's the up-and-coming position? Is, is the league shifting towards something? These guys give you so much stuff. And that's why, you know, I'm glad they got some of these positions right. I'm glad they got the linebacker position right, right? Because, you know, people didn't know a lot about Micah McFadden, and then the early part of Micah McFadden was like, mm, I don't know if he's going to make it. Then all of a sudden it clicked. 
He's playing well in Wink's defense. Then they get Bobby O'Karake. And Bobby O'Karake was like, everybody was like, oh, nope, he hasn't shown me anything. He's a waste of pick. Then all of a sudden, you see two middle linebackers that can literally find the football and actually make big plays for your defense. Been a long time, folks. But I would, I, I may talk to Joe about it. I don't want him to do it pre-draft, but he never has any time anyway. Maybe he'll make Brandon available. But maybe for like 10 questions and we'll uh, poll maybe and see what those questions should be so he can just come on and talk about them. But it's it's um, you guys would be really impressed with the way this group of personnel folks are are approaching rebuilding this roster. Or rebuilding a roster. Right, we got a phrase that is rebuilding a roster because then we don't want him to get specific, or else then he right. won't be as forthcoming. Right, right. That's true. <laughs> it's more like philosophical. All right, uh, later in the week we tee it up again. We will get you set for the Giants and the Patriots. You got anything else? Nope. No, this was a full plate. Well, this is this was a full plate leading up to Thanksgiving. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Um, okay. In this podcast, while you're sitting around with your family, tell a family member to tell a family member to tell a friend to tell a friend. Believe in Believe Giants. We'll preview the Giants and Patriots. Carl will get to see his old mentor, Bill yes. Belichick, at Matt oh, Life Stadium. Yes. Oh, I know you do. And okay. he looks for you know what? And he looks forward to seeing you. Yeah. Which it's, is it's uh, <clears throat> so uh that wraps it up for this edition. We'll talk to you later in the week. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Believe in Giants. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.